Welcome back, everybody. I get a chance to speak to a wonderful actor and a wonderful human being. You know, basically the way that uh, we decided that, uh, you know, I was going to have uh, Michael on the show today, and it's Michael S. Brown that's our guest, is uh, he mentioned that he uh, owns a rescue. And as soon as I heard rescue and an animal rescue, that was it. I don't need to know anymore. That's, that's uh, enough uh, for me because uh, we rescued our dog, uh, Buddy, and we love him, and we can't think of our life, you know, without him and what we did without him. So uh, the fact that you have a, uh, a rescue organization and you're an actor, it's perfect. And we're going to talk about all of those things. So welcome to the program, Michael. Nice to Thank you, Alan. Yeah, it's, it's my pleasure. And uh, I wanted to start off, it's, it's a little bit different, but I wanted to start off because I wanted to show, again, to the audience, this is what a real life of an actor looks like. And Michael, I'm sure you have your own stories. I'm going to share what happened to me just uh, an hour ago and uh, leading up to this interview. So right now it's three o'clock central time in Chicago where I am. Uh, so I get an email, you know, I, it's a busy day. We're going to go uh, for a little getaway. So busy day, we're packing, we're doing all sorts of things. Then I finally check my emails and I have a last minute audition, which is due now. Okay. Fine, no problem. I looked at my clock. I said, okay, I have about an hour. I can do this. Uh, look at the sides. And the sides are, again, what we get and what we have to learn in terms of lines. It's two pages okay. of sides. Not bad. You know, dialogue is not that dense. There are a few pieces that are. No worries. I can do it. I'm not shaved. All right. My reader. My reader is my daughter. So no problems there. I call off my daughter. My daughter is busy doing the dishes at the moment. So I said, as soon as you're done with the dishes, I need you upstairs. So while shaving, I'm learning the lines. I am getting into character. We come in, my whole room is set up, you know, right? This is my backdrop for the show. Over that backdrop, you have another backdrop that goes when I need to do self-tapes, which is great. Mm -hmm. So in order for me to hook that up, I need, uh, I need push pins. Not a big deal, we have push pins. I can't find the push pins. So instead of focusing on the lines and being in character, I am focusing on yelling at my daughter to make sure that she comes up here and stops washing the dishes because I need to record because I have an interview uh, and I can't find the push pins. So I look all over her room. I look all over my uh, son's room. Nobody has push pins. I even run to the basement looking for the damn push pins. Finally, I realize that they're in my office. Great. So we have the push pins. I set things up. Now let's go to the camera. I have everything set up so I don't have to worry about it. I have my camera. I have my microphone on top of the camera, Rode microphone. All is beautiful. Oops, the microphone is not connected to the camera and the little cord. We cannot find the cord. So, all right, we can't use the camera. We can't find the cord. We have to use something else. No problem. I'll just use my iPhone. No problem. The only issue with the iPhone is that we cannot find on the tall enough tripod now uh, we cannot find the connection, so you can just put the iPhone on. So we're looking across the whole house, trying to find that, cannot find it. Finally, my daughter finds something that we can kind of just prop it up. So we get it uh, set. We have three takes. Uh, I get it done. I get it submitted. I change. And now we're having this interview. This is what a life of an actor, especially right now, is like. Very true. Yeah. I have not encountered too many auditions that required the submission that quickly. Yeah. Um, there's been maybe one or two in my experience thus far that I had to really scramble. 
And, you know, if you're not able to do it, you're just not able to do it. I mean, it's, it's the presumption on the casting director or the producer, whoever is asking you to do this, that you just have all this free time and that you're available to do it. And even though during these times, one might assume that too, it's not necessarily the case that you're always at home. Mm -hmm. um, most of the time uh, with self tapes, for me, they give a, quite a bit of lead time. Uh, whether there's a lot of sides or not. Um, I try to do mine, I don't know about you, generally, when you have a little more time, mm -hmm. but I try to do them sooner than later. Um, sometimes it even says in the audition notice, try to get them in quickly, right. because we don't want to wait till the end to review 50 to 100, however many they uh, invite. Yep. Um, so I try to do it quickly. And, I, and like you, I have a setup. Here at the house, I have the white screen, I have my tripod, I have my lights, etc. And, um, you know, I always joke about to those uh, friends of mine who are not actors that I say that I really like it because you can do it in your underwear. You know, it's like most of the time you're kind of chest up. They don't ask for a full thing. So I'm standing there, you know, my underwear, they, you know, who's going to know? I guess now they will. And, um, you know, you can edit your best takes and all the things that you know. So it's a lot of work. And, um, yeah, the, you're saving time of not driving to a physical location of the, to audition. But yet, on the other hand, there's a lot of setting up to do, yeah. including what you just said. And not everything falls into place all the time either. Nope. So whether you're missing a cord or what, or the camera doesn't work or whatever. So, um, it's challenging, but a fun one. It is, uh, and you know, to give a little bit more, uh, more, uh, more context there. It's not that I found out just now, you know, that I had to have this audition done now. It's more that I received the Actors Access uh, EcoCast request last night, so mm -hmm. it was pretty late. I'm reading it, and it says that it's the auditions are August 31st. So I'm mm -hmm. thinking I have time. And I'll read it and I'll kind of get into character. I'll do some research. You know, this is a, uh, you know, historical figure. So it would be interesting to kind of dive in and do a little bit of research on that. And then I get an email from my agent saying, hey, these are due. Uh, and the agent is funny. The, the, the email is, these are due. The email came in uh, basically saying these are due 15 minutes ago. And I look at it and I'm like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And I look and I see another one. And it says, we prefer to get them today by this time. So even though the audition is the 31st, which is what I read, their preference is much earlier. Thus, my uh, you know time crunch off, I need to get this done right now. Can I pull this off in an hour? Sure, I can. Why not? I've learned more than two pages of lines in, in less than that time. I can do it. So that's, that's uh, how we uh, came to be where we are right now. And conversely, yes. sometimes there's a deadline and then you receive a, a notice saying we're extending it yeah so I, I don't know if you've had that's happened to you but I mean I've had that like wow I you know I made sure that I got this you know in early whatever and then for whatever reason I think we assume what it is oh well we're still accepting submissions so you play the game yep. and you do your best and you, then you go forward from there. 
Yeah, anytime that happens, by the way, that scenario, it immediately uh, comes to mind that, okay, well, obviously they didn't like me well enough because they're still looking for somebody and I wasn't it, so they're taking more. That's where my mind goes and then I forget about it. Because as yeah, actors- Yeah, not necessarily. True. Not necess true. Don't, don't necessarily go there. I know, I know what I was alluding to is yes, it's like maybe they did, I'm thinking, I was thinking actually not that I wasn't good enough, they just didn't get enough. Okay. So you're thinking, well, hey, I submitted. What more do you need? I'm, I'm here. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't work that way. They don't base it on one or two people. So, you know, even if you're perfect. So, yeah, try not to. I'm saying for actors in general, right. think that, you know, you weren't good enough or whatever, because you really never know. Yeah, it's, and it's not the not good enough part. It's just we as actors, the first thing that we're taught, or at least we should be taught, and thankfully I was, that your job is the audition. You know, booking is is the vacation part. Your job is the audition. So, and once you're done with the audition, you throw it out and you forget about it and you don't think about it because 99% of the time, the answer is no. Most of the time, you don't even hear the answer because nobody just gets back to you and tells you, oh, well, thank you. We didn't, you know, end up going with you. You just hear nothing. So it's one of those things where I tape it, I do my job and I forget it. And then I get that uh, email saying, we've extended okay, fine, I guess that I wasn't it and move on. So it's, it's more of that process. My philosophy actually is that the audition is the victory because having worked in the corporate world for many years yeah. and you know, you, it's a, when you go on job interviews and things like that, this is a, this is a job interview. It's the exact same thing. Yep. And so you send out your resume, not acting. Yeah. non-acting world. You send out your resume, you send a bunch out, you don't hear anything. You get an interview, that's the victory. Because once you go in and do the interview for the job, mm -hmm. say it's in an office, say it's for acting, it's out of your hands at that point. You've done the best that you could and you never know yeah. why you were hired, cast, or otherwise. So that's how I look at it is because of all the people that submit and you've heard the numbers that are bandied about of like how many people are generally submitting for one part. Yep. The fact that you get an audition that I think too, I think there are some actors that take that for granted. And, and um, by that, I mean that they don't take it seriously, that they don't show up, they don't care. They don't show up on time. They're not prepared. You know, because of all the competition out there, I think it's important to take that audition as seriously as possible. You you made an impression somehow that they they want to see you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, from that perspective, I completely agree with you because the numbers are staggering. You know, depending now, on the, yeah, no, go ahead. Depending on the role that we're submitting for, uh, they're going to be receiving you know maybe tens of thousands uh, for that role, even if well, it's the Go ahead, sorry. No, I'm sorry. I was going to say I'm going to touch off for that a little bit. Yeah. And and sometimes I keep a log of everything that I audition for because sometimes you don't hear right away, and then it, it's annoying to to casting directors to say, well, what part is this for? So I keep a log of everything that I submit for, and sometimes I look over and try and see. This is months after. So yeah. you know, months after I you know, not it's not me. I, I might have auditioned for it or submitted for it. I look up and see if I can find the project to see if it's online, what have you, or in IMDb. And I will tell you, Alan, 
that on more than one occasion, on more than several occasions, the per if I find the project, whether I find the actual video of it or the casting on IMDb, sometimes it's not the same gender. Mm -hmm. So that's why you really cannot take it personally that I see roles that I auditioned for were cast, they were cast a woman, they cast another race, um, they cast another age. So that makes you, I wouldn't say feel better, but it gives you more of a semblance of the reality of this and how broad the spectrum really can be in terms of it's not finite that they're looking for a male your age, your height, your hair color, you submit it, you didn't get it, and then you look it up and it was a female twice your age, blonde, you know, whatever. So it had nothing really to do with you, your performance anyway. That's, that's very true. And I had, I had the opposite. Uh, I was uh, one of the roles that I got in, in a pilot, which, uh, which is going to be coming out uh, pretty soon, is uh, in this wonderful series. And, you know, I, I'm really excited about it. If, uh, if it ever gets the light of day, I think people will like it. And um, I, I was auditioning for a role of a professor. And I go through the audition. They give me a call back. I come in and then I see my competition. And the competition is, you know, a, a little bit younger uh, black man, uh, very good looking, very mm -hmm. muscular uh, guy. I'm thinking, okay, well, obviously they're looking for kind of different types. And this role is a professor uh, in, in the university. And I, you know, read with them and we talk about it. And then um, they kind of start reading to me the notes of what they had in mind for this character. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at them and they're reading this and I'm going to swear uh, because that's appropriate. Uh, not that I'm worried about swearing on my own show anyway, but no. they're reading that, you know, this character is, you know, just looking into his eyes makes the women melt. Uh, this guy is a man's manly man, you know, men want to be like him. Women want to be with him, you know, tall, muscular, I'm sitting there as they're, as they're reading this to me, I'm sitting there looking and trying not to laugh hysterically. And the only question that comes to my mind is why the fuck am I here? You know, what would you, why, why would you call me in for somebody who is a, you know, leading man type? Uh, whereas I'm not, I'm a different kind of guy. You know, I know who I am. I'm perfectly fine with it, but what you're reading is not exactly me and they end up choosing me. So I felt bad because, you know, I look at this guy who fits what they vision that they had uh, up front, but apparently I did something in an audition that they liked more and it made them change their mind. So you're talking about casting somebody of a different race or casting somebody of a different gender. I, I was one of those people based on something they wrote, you do your best and then maybe they change their mind. But it was a very interesting thing. And if it ever hits and we ever start doing press about it, I'm going to be talking about this for the rest of my life that they looked at me in, in that particular way. And then they actually changed a little bit within the, uh, within the script once the pilot actually came and I saw the lines. Uh, they changed a little bit of how the character was described. So I'm no longer the guy that all the women want to screw. I am just me. And I'm okay with that. That would have been nice too, though. But um, the, you never know. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned something that is very, very important. 
And that is knowing your type because, you know, I heard about this and, and in a seminar and it made a lot of sense when I started looking at uh, actors that were very well known and very established. And I looked at their body of work and realized that more or less they're kind of playing the same thing, character, which is them. And there's nothing wrong with typecasting. I, I tell that all the time that I'm happy to be typecast because it's better to know your character and it's better to know your type because nobody can play anything. There's no way. I would never be called in to play that part either that you just mm -hmm. described. I would never be called in to play a bodyguard or, you know, a thug or, or anything because you just have to know what you're believable as. And so, you know, if my if you looked at it in my reels or not, you know, I'm pretty much white collar, um, which was my life anyway. It wasn't really a stretch. You play what you know. And um, so it's white collar doctors, lawyers, CEOs, things like that. But I actually did get a chance once an opportunity to play a homeless person. And it was a really great opportunity for me because I don't get that often. And um, it was uh, a great opportunity because getting into character, we shot it at the beach here in Los Angeles. And um, the makeup artist applied my beard. I had a very long scraggly beard. She applied each by strand, glued it on strand by strand. I sat there for an hour while she did it. And I asked, why can't you put a beard on me? And she says, because they look fake. It'll look absolutely fake if we just buy a, a beard in a costume or whatever place and you know glue it on you. She says, it'll look much more realistic this way. So she finished it, got into my wardrobe, playing an alcoholic, and we're walking. Have you been in Los Angeles? Have you ever yeah. been? Do so, you know Venice yeah. Beach? Okay, good. So we're walking on the boardwalk in the sand where we're filming, and I'm walking with the two other actors. And I, you know, remember that you look on the exterior maybe different, but you're you. I'm still Michael. The yeah. way I, I'm still Michael who I was when I showed up here. So I'm walking along the boardwalk, which was very crowded. This was several years ago. And I'm looking at people as I always do. I'm always looking at people as I walk. Not one person, not one made eye contact with me. And that was very insightful to me. They averted eyes. And when you, I learned that as a homeless person, playing homeless person, you're invisible. You don't exist. Nobody looks at you. Nobody regards you. And that was helpful to me getting into character of who I was and who I was playing. And um, good learning lesson. So yeah, dressing up is fun. That's, I think, one of the reasons that we do this you know, dressing up in a suit. I did that every day anyway. So, I mean, you know, I just played a lawyer last week and, you know, that that's, I wouldn't say second nature, but it's close to it for me. And, um, but once in a while, getting the opportunity to venture out and playing something completely different, it's all fun. What can I say? It, it's all fun being on set. I completely agree with you. And, um, you know, I, I have been to, uh, to Venice. You know, I I grew up uh, idolizing uh, Arnold, and uh, you know, I was hey. working out. I was I was a scrawny little kid, so in high school I started working out. And once I got to uh, to Muscle Beach, 
I had to go there. I, I stood on stage. I took my shirt off and I started posing. People were looking at me like, who is this idiot? But I had to do it because it's one of those things. Like I grew up idolizing this. On this stage, Arnold stood. On this stage, Franco stood. And every you know, bodybuilder who I've admired uh, over the last uh, 25 years, all of them worked out there. I needed to be on that stage. I don't care what people thought of me. And I did that. So I, I remember you know, Venice uh, very well. I like it. Uh, LA is, is definitely a place that I want to visit more and more. Um, and uh, Arnold became an actor. Who knew? Yeah, well, he knew, you know, he, yeah. uh, uh, even though initially that's, that's not what he was planning on doing, but uh, once he put his mind to it, like all great people, you set your mind to something and you're going to accomplish it. You're going to keep working at it and getting better and better and you'll get there. So um, well, I, I grew up here. I'm native of Los Angeles. And in, in addition to everything that is here, this is the place to be to work in film and television. I mean, they are expanding to other cities, Atlanta and things like that. Um, thankfully, the work is starting to come back here because the, they are giving tax credits to production. So hopefully more will return here at once all of this other craziness is over with and um, more opportunities will present themselves. I, I certainly hope so. LA is LA. I mean, it's, you know, the first time in LA, just seeing the Hollywood sign, you know, knowing full well that that's not exactly what it means. And that doesn't mean that that's where all the movies are, but just seeing that, uh, the heart flutters. And uh, that's, that's, that was my kind of first LA experience and, and driving and seeing that sign. So, but um, many actors, you know, going back to your experience as a homeless person, many actors are talking about their experiences of putting on the clothes and having the outside kind of influence the inside. And uh, you just had that experience. You had that experience of what it was like. I have not had a chance to play a homeless person. I had one role that was of a homeless person. I got into the role. Actually, the audition was interesting because it was a Zoom audition. And uh, they said, okay, well, you know, you look like you. You have to convince us uh, that uh, you can play somebody who's homeless and, um, you know, convince us to give you a dollar. And for whatever reason, I tapped into something and I tapped into kind of the, the frustrations of, uh, and I don't have this experience, but I tapped into the what it would be like to lose my house, to lose my family, uh, to just be on the street. I am me, but I am in dire straits and I need a dollar just so I can get somewhere. And I broke down. The guys were like, holy cow. Yeah, you're hired. And then I got there and the production never, never took. Then six that months happens too. It, it changed and I was playing a different role. So I never actually got to play that role, but it led to, uh, to other possibilities. But yeah, I, I want to wear the outside because it helps me uh, it helps me play the character and understand the character better. Not only are there instances where the production doesn't happen, but even it has happened to me more than once that I ended up on the cutting room floor. The first thing that I did on network television, yeah. I told all my friends, I'll never do it again, yeah. unless I'm absolutely sure, but I told all my friends, and I remember sitting there and watching it, and it went right past me. And I was really embarrassed because I told everybody, and everybody was very, very nice, and they said, look, it happens, whatever, but it was such a big deal because 
you know, it was my first kind of part. And um, since then, there's been a couple times where I knew exactly where it was coming up in the script, <laughs> and it went right past. And um, I just always chalked it up to time constraints because I felt that I did a good job. And so I don't think that I was necessarily excised because of anything that, you know, because they would, they would not, you know, they would reshoot it if they, if they, you know, wasn't up to par. So that's another thing too that I think people don't realize that not everything that you shoot ends up Absolutely. or at all. Yeah. And so um, several times, depending, I might see if it airs first and then tell everybody that, you know, if I can get the clip from it or whatever but um you know a lot of the things i do uh, do come to fruition because i do a lot of promos and things like that where i'm the lead yeah. so without me there isn't going to be anything so it's either they're going to have it or they're not and um you know i've done i've worked in small productions i've worked in big ones i i don't know about you but the size of the production um i like doing the small gigs I really enjoy them. Um, there's, there's not, you know, you're kind of the big fish in a small pond kind of a thing. And uh, it's kind of nice, uh, but it just, it just depends. It's just, it's all good. And, and um, like I said, having the opportunity to work, it's not always frequent for us, Yeah. but when it does come, as I said previously, I take it seriously because it's work, like any job. But I must tell you that I really do have fun. And yeah. it should be fun. It should be something that you take seriously as your craft, but it should be fun too. Work should be fun in general. I understand that for many people who may be watching this, who do other jobs, don't think of it in those terms, but it's what you make of it too. Um, so I really look forward to whatever opportunities are offered me. Um, and I can't really think of anything offhand that I didn't do. Um, there was one thing that I did not do though. I said there wasn't. Um, and that was my agent asked me to uh, audition for a show on HBO. He said, but I don't know how you feel about it. And um, the scene was in a locker room and I'm in a towel and a guy comes in and I, uh, the towel drops and I start pleasuring myself to, to this person. And I said, you know, first of all, they wanted me to audition for this. And I'm thinking, okay, how, how, yeah. What is the right or wrong way? Is there a right or wrong way to do this particular act? Yeah. But I told my agent at the time, I said, actually, the scenario doesn't bother me as much as the breakdown. Mm -hmm. And the breakdown that I saw said that the character was described as a fat old man. And I said, you've met me. Yeah. Is that how you see me? And he says, no, 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 they changed it. And I said, I'm going to pass on this. Um, 
I did see the clip. I think honestly, this is someone they could have gotten off the street to do it. There was no, there was no dialogue, nothing. What what was they said? They need someone who can really act. Um, for the five seconds that this person was on the screen, to do that, yeah. I think you know people. I didn't say I'm not saying you know people that would do it. Right. But I, you must know people in your circle that could do that without getting too graphic about this, that could, you know what I'm yeah. what, what, I, I don't know what kind of great acting this took. And on top of that, to audition for this? Yeah. I, I don't know, what, like, what would they have been looking for? And I don't mean, I mean, cause it was only like waist up. Right. The audition was, so I passed and that's one of the very, very few times that I've done that. And I'm, and I'm okay with that because I don't think it would have done anything. <laughs> it wouldn't have propelled me to anything yeah. bigger. And I'm glad an actor got it and um, good for him for doing it, but it just wasn't the right scenario for me. I, I, that's about the strangest one. That's interesting. For me, it was, uh, I was offered to play a role of uh, Vladimir Putin. And um, I, I passed on that one. And then, um, you know, they, they called back and they said that they really would love for me to, uh, to do it. I said, nope, sorry, <laughs> that's, not, that's not something that I have any interest in. Aside from the fact that I look nothing like Vladimir Putin, and uh, this is not the kind of a production where they would actually make me look like Vladimir Putin. I have no interest in playing Vladimir Putin. So uh, it's, it's hmm. not, not one of those things that I have any interest in. So that's the one that I turned out. Interestingly, last week I did a, um, a role as the attorney for a uh, training video for police officers. And in the breakdown, it said no anti-cop people, no anti-police people. And I don't even think, I mean, I try not to be political anyway, but I never even thought of, that never even crossed my mind. But thinking of the times right now, I can understand why they said that. Because, you know, the scene that I did was with an actor playing a police officer. And I mean, of course, if you're an actor, then, you, you know, you should be able to put your personal, you know, feelings aside. Um, and in this instance, I don't see how it really, unless you, unless the actor they chose was so, you know, staunch about this, mm -hmm. staunchly believed in this, that I guess they couldn't do it or they would have done it in such an antagonistic way. It's just interesting that they said it, but I understand why they said it now in, in hindsight. Mm -hmm. And um, it didn't, to me, it was work. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's how I, I, I looked at it. And I've seen, I've seen breakdowns, political ones, and, and they've said, you know, you, you can't be anti this person or we only want pro this person. And, and again, to what I, I said, I think if you're an actor, that doesn't mean you're, because you're playing a role, you believe what that that character is saying. You just have to make it believable. True, but that's that's where we come in, and then we put our own um, associations on it. And True. if I come out and I'm going to be offered this role, and I'm a rapist, right? 
which mm-hmm. I haven't been offered a role like that. But if I was offered a role as a rapist and it's just a disgusting uh, human being, is that what I really want to play? And even if I find interest in that particular role, just from the experience of being somebody completely different from myself and from purely artistic perspective, I play that. Is that something I'm going to be putting on my reel? Is that something that I want people to associate me with? Because, you know, I want to do network comedy. I, I like, uh, you know, I'm the, I'm the fun, loving uh, uncle uh, type of uh, character. Do I really want for the network execs to look at that and say, oh, I'm not sure if anybody ever saw this guy that they would really want him to be, you know, uh, near babies. It's, it's like, at some point, uh, we, we have to marry the artistic integrity with reality and perception. And, you know, certain roles, I probably wouldn't take just from that perspective. Maybe that makes me less of an artist, but I'm hoping that makes me feel better about myself at the end of the day. I think you have to do what you're comfortable with. I feel differently about that issue, actually. I would like things to challenge me. I know what I can do. I know what I can do in my sleep, so to speak. I know the parts I can play. You know, playing a rapist. Now, I don't know how comfortable I would be in something, because we've seen movies like this where it's very graphic. Yeah. I don't know that I could be comfortable doing something like that. But if I was playing somebody who had done it, and getting into, or anything that was like, just say a criminal, somebody like that, I would relish that because I would, I have always said that I would really like the opportunity to go to my dark side mm-hmm. and explore that in a character. And um, I hope I have the opportunity to do that. And I hope that I'm able to, to give honesty to that because you know, we all have different shadings to us. Mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying as far as comfort level and, and that should be your choice. But for me, you know, I just told a scenario where I wasn't really comfortable with it. I, only because I just didn't think it was, you know, there was nothing, there was no substance to the part. It was just standing there for yeah. five seconds. Um, if it had more substance to it, maybe. If there was something leading up to it, if there was something that there was developed the character, why would never explained why I was doing this with this guy in, in the showers. But if it's a rapist, you know, I, I was in a movie where I was cast as a defense attorney again, yeah. and I was defending a rapist. And I'll tell you that when I was done, there were, there were, there were people that were actors that were sitting in the area where you observe a trial in the courtroom. And then the people in the back out of camera range with the makeup artists and hair and, and, and the people doing that. When I was done, because they didn't know too much about it. I just told them what I was playing. But they didn't know too much about the scenario. They, they called, they, they jokingly said, you're, you are an a-hole. You're the, I hate you, whatever. And I said, that means I did my job well. Mm-hmm. Because they hated me yeah. as women. I was defending this guy. And I said, you know, I was interviewed about that at the premiere. And I said, my character is someone who's doing his job. I said, and you ha- as a defense attorney, you have to put aside your personal beliefs of who you're defending. You know, you, you, as a public defender, definitely you don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. So you can't say, I'm not going to defend this person. 
As a private attorney, you might have the choice to say, I just don't feel good about this. But generally speaking, if you take on the role as a defense attorney, it's with the understanding that the person that you're representing, you're, you're trying to get them off, so to speak, you know, have them declared innocent, which happens. That's why they hated me because in the movie, he's innocent. Mm -hmm. um, well, he's, an, he's a, he, the, the jury, yeah. you know, declares him innocent. And so it was, it was great that they said that to me because, you know, when you're shooting film, there's no audience. So, you, you know, the director tells you good, bad, and different, but nobody else really does except how you feel. And yeah. when they were observing this and they, they were so, they just hated me, you know, so much, um, that was a good feeling. Another, another thing that happened, and this was the, the attorney that I just played, it was this as this had not happened to me that I was, um, I, w I came to the audition off book. Um, and so normally I don't do that, but in this instance, it was a couple of pages, just like you just said. And so I had memorized it. And so the uh, actor that I was uh, reading with, who actually was cast as the police officer, we were going back and forth and we were doing it and we were done and we were looking at each other and I was waiting for them to say cut and they didn't. And so, you know, you know, as an actor, you don't look at them, you just keep going. And then we'll, no, we just kind of looked at each other because there was nowhere else to go. Mm -hmm. And so they, then they cut and they said, we were so wrapped up in it, we forgot <laughs> that you were, you know, so, you leave, I left, and I'm thinking, well, that was a positive. I mean, you know, you don't always leave an audition thinking that you nailed it. Mm -hmm. um, and irrespective of whether I thought I had or not, I still had to be in the mindset that, it, like you said, you did it, you move on, and on to the next one. Well, I got the call the next day that I got it. But that was so funny to me that they were, the director and the producer were there, and they were so apparently wrapped up in it that <laughs> they didn't even they had the script in front of them they knew we were done and i wasn't going to say cut you know right. hey we're done yeah. so you just you never know and and you know sometimes you 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 have good op you have good experiences when you audition and sometimes you you know you walk away and you know you you know the rule of thumb is that you don't kick yourself when you're done and you walk out of the room and don't beat yourself up because you did the best you can and sometimes converse you know when you think you nailed it you don't get it and sometimes you you thought you sucked and they cast you and you think why what how did i get this i wasn't even good but see how objective can we really be i mean we they're looking at it differently than we're seeing it yeah. you know through our eyes is different from what they're seeing and and sometimes it's not your performance sometimes you're just the right look yeah. And they, they can work with you on that. So I think there's just, you, you, just like you said, when you do the audition, what I heard was that that's the gig. And I try to approach it that way, that when I do it, they're rolling the camera. Yeah. And hope for the best. Yeah. And uh, the funny thing is that most of the actors that I talk to and really well-known actors who are really good actors, all of them say the same thing that you cast me in this 
you're definitely making a mistake. There are definitely people much better than me that you should have cast instead. All of them are thinking that. It's so funny for me to watch because, you know, you think that that's, that's happening at my level. It's not just at my level. It's happening at the level where all of them, uh, you know, uh, pastor, and it's the same thing. We just, we, we don't know. We, we are not at a point where we can objectively uh, judge our own performance because we have no idea. I mean, I, I've said that on occasion on auditions that I've gotten. And I'm thinking, like the one you walked in the room and it was everybody was the same except you. And then you actually got it. Once in a while, I've gotten them and I'm thinking to myself, I am so wrong for this, but I'll do it. Yeah. I'll do it. And of course, it turns out I don't get them because it's, it's, I am wrong for it. Yeah. But I'm putting my spin on it. And I don't think this is me at all. And I don't think I look right for this or whatever, but you just do it. And they, as I've learned, casting directors are asking you for a reason. I mean, it's not blind here. They've seen your headshot, they've seen your reel. So they know what they're doing. If, they, they, if, the, if the breakdown says one set of things, criteria here, and none of them, it, some or none of them are you, and they've invited you, then try it. Yeah, there is a reason, absolutely. I, in, yeah. yeah, I mean, one of the things that I love doing is comedy. Mm -hmm. And I don't get to do enough of it. And I really wish I could because the, the, I love doing comedy and I love doing improvisation. I think some of the best things I've done have been impro improvised. Mm -hmm. um, it's really learning to think very, it's learning to think quickly. And I don't have any tricks or techniques to it. That's just the experience that I gained from other things in life. Mm -hmm. And so I hope I could do more of it because I'm the most comfortable in that arena as opposed to saying lines that are written because sometimes it's not written exactly how people speak and i'm happy when i have the opportunity to veer off not entirely mm -hmm. off the script that's not professional but i'm saying when i can add a little things here or a little michaelisms here yeah. or whatever or a gesture or an attitude or something like that um that i can make it where it's really more comfortable for me in terms of it flowing better because when you're really saying somebody else's words it's not you and I understand that's acting but when I'm but but it's for example when I have done projects like that take place in a boardroom mm -hmm. and I see the dialogue I ran board meetings at my job before that before I started doing the acting thing and I know what happens in a board meeting and i understand that this is hollywood what happens in board meetings and offices and the hospitals and courtrooms and whatever this is how it's seen but this is i sometimes read it in the sides and i'm thinking this is not what happens in boardrooms mm -hmm. so i don't rewrite it i mean that's not my place to do it but i will edit a little bit and sometimes i booked it so, and I know 
that when I was cast that they said, can you do, can you do a riff on that like you did? And I say, sure, sure, I can do that because it's not an equal thing. I'm doing it to make it better. That's why I'm doing it. I want it to be better for them than whoever's doing this. And so, you know, they didn't ask me, but I'm bringing my experience into this. I did this when I auditioned. It was actually an audition. Um, if you see on my IMDb that I did a Lady Gaga video. Yeah. And I auditioned for it. Mm -hmm. And what it was, it was an improv. And they wanted me to improvise a board meeting. So I thought for myself about 10 seconds, didn't have to think that. I said, I'm ready. Yeah. And all I did was pretty much act out how I was at the last board meeting I remember. Mm -hmm. And I think I may have added a little more drama to it because the board meetings that I ran were very friendly and they were very, you know, and I figured, well, that I'm not going to do that because that probably won't play well. So I'll do more of the, you know, now look here, we've yeah. got to get, you know, these marketing materials in on time and, you know, we've got to get et cetera and R and D in and, and whatever I said. And so I booked it. Um, and I think it's partly the look and I think it's partly the attitude. Um, I think you have to look at sometimes if they're looking for someone who's, who's running a, a board meeting, you'd better look like someone, you better dress you in a suit, yeah. you know, coming. I, and I'll never understand that when I go to auditions and I see people dressed really not how I would envision. I don't know if they don't know this, that, you know, how maybe an executive yeah. looks. I mean, even in, you know, something more casual, Silicon Valley or something where they don't wear suits or whatever. I think that knowing how a character is supposed to look is half the battle, really. Although who am I to say, you know, sometimes when I've seen that, maybe they got it, you know, maybe that had nothing to do with it. I don't know. It, it does have uh, some to do with it. And I, and I talked to, you know, casting directors as well. And they're saying, you know, don't necessarily dress the part, right? If, uh, if you're doing a co-star audition, um, you know, I don't need you to come in your full cop attire, but wear something that makes me see you as a cop and it's not a difficult transition. You know, uh, if you're doing something that's not a co-star, but it's more of a guest star uh, or, then, you know, it's even less of that because they're not necessarily going to be always in that, uh, in that attire. But, you know, wear something. For me, if I go audition, and I, I auditioned for Empire, I didn't get it. I auditioned for Empire as one of the lawyers. I went in my suit. I went in my suit because it's, it's easier for me, again, me to be in the character because when you're in the suit, you carry yourself a little differently. You know, you're, you're a straight sure. administrator. You're, your body positioning, everything, everything works better. Um, and I, I prefer to wear a suit. You know, it's people are different. Um, John Levy, you know, when he was auditioning people for ER or other, uh, you know, shows that he was uh, casting, he was saying, look, it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember the exact uh, phrasing, but, you know, if you can't act it, I, I don't care what you look at. And it's more to that okay. of, 
you know, when people were coming in and it was a nurse and they came in a full nurse regalia, to him that means, okay, well, you're just not sure of yourself as an actor because you have to show me that you look like a nurse. You can't prove me that you are that character regardless of what you're wearing. So people are different. And it's true. And you don't know. You don't, you've got to do what you think because it, you're right. It could, it could help you and it could backfire so, depending on who you're reading for. But I will say that the thing I just did, the project I just did, the actor that I work with, that, that I auditioned with, he was wearing a cop uniform. And when we were on set, I asked him, where did you get the cop uniform? And he said, I went to a costume place. Yeah. And, rented it. and he got, he booked it. And um, I bet that was the big reason why. Because, because I was waiting, you know, we were waiting, there were, everybody was there. They were reading for all different kinds of parts. And um, nobody, uh, I could see who was probably auditioning for the cop. And none of them had a cop uniform except him. I wasn't there for everybody, but it didn't, I, I would say it didn't hurt. But you're right. It really depends on the person who's auditioning you. And, and you're right, some don't really want that. So... It's, it's I, those, yeah, it's one of those things. Same thing with headshots, right? Do you take a headshot that's a headshot or do you take headshots that are looks for the specific uh, parts and you play the profession in those headshots? Some casting directors like them. Some casting directors hate them. It, it just depends. And oftentimes, casting directors don't look at your headshots until much later. It's the associates and they're looking at it and people, I'm not going to put anybody in the box, but again, just based on talking to people, you have so many that you're looking through that, oh, I, I need to cast a cop. Okay, that person, I buy as a cop, move on, right? So you right. Them them and it just becomes more of a transactional thing rather than really kind of dive into it and say, okay, I can see based on your eyes that you can play somebody who's that serious. It's more, okay, done, 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 done. It's just- I, I, I have found for me personally, I mean, I have a shot of, uh, of course I have me in a suit, but I have me as a doctor, I have me as a nerd, I have me, and I have found that it helps because if I just send the, 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 the commercial shot or the theatrical shot, it's, it's too broad sometimes. And especially if it is character, if we're talking about character, I mean, if it's dad, yeah, I have a shot that could probably do a lot of things and dad would be one of them. For a doctor, I've got the white coat and the stethoscope and I've got footage of me as a doctor and it, and I do feel it has helped. It is shortcutted in a way that I not only have the regalia, you know, the, the, the costume, but I can play a doctor. In other words, that I have that mindset of a doctor in the clip that I have. So for me, I think it's helped. But again, it's not finite. It's not 100% because I haven't gotten every single thing that I've submitted for. So I'm sure it may have very well backfired and said, no, I that that's too obvious. Yeah. You know, so you just, you, you do what you think yeah. is best. But I don't know that there's a right or wrong here because there's, there's just no rhyme or reason sometimes. I think that we're just always guessing of what we hope is, is, the right thing, because I'll tell you, and I know you've done the same thing, and I know everybody who's look, listening to this has yeah. done this, where they have submitted, they, they've read the breakdown, they said, I am so perfect for this. I am the exact specs for this. Yep. I'm, the, you know, depending on how detailed they get, I 
am. Yes. I'm not saying I'm unique. I always tell people, you know how many are people guys look like me in this town? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm hardly I hardly stand out. But sometimes the specs are so that I am perfect for this. And there may be others, but I know I should be considered and you don't hear anything. Yeah. So I mean you know, and, and even when it goes through, like I said before previously, that, you know, that you audition and you, you feel that you nailed it. Didn't get it, but we've already discussed all the reasons why that could be. So, yeah. you know, we just, again, do what we think is right. And if the stars are aligned, and I always, I don't use this as an ex, as a excuse. This is how I just kind of believe in general. My philosophy is that it's for a reason. And if I didn't get it, there's a reason. And maybe it was the right reason that maybe this wasn't the best thing for me. Um, when I haven't gotten what I wanted in life, as I matured, I took that philosophy on that you're disappointed, but in the end, it's for the best. And I'm not rationalizing. That's not a rationalization saying, you know, oh, I didn't want it anyway. It wasn't, you know, I didn't. No, really, I've, I've seen that. I've, I've seen it happen in other parts of my life as well. So I, I try to live by that credo. It's, it's the right credo to live by because, uh, again, looking back, uh, you see all the time that I didn't get this, but if I did get this, I wouldn't have gotten this. And this was the right thing for me. And you just, you don't know at that moment. And in terms of the, uh, the headshots, uh, you know, the little uh, bit that I've learned by talking to people that would be useful uh, to the folks uh, who are viewing this right now is one of the reasons why uh, casting directors don't want you to have a headshot that's specific to a profession is because they may think that you were a uh, background actor and that's what you were wearing. So you weren't really a doctor, you were just somebody uh, in the background. They don't want that. So that is where their mind sometimes goes. In your case, and in my case, you know, I have footage of me being a doctor and it was, uh, you know, it was one of the supporting or uh, leading roles and I have my, uh, you know, my, you know, white, uh, white coat and the stethoscope on, it makes sense. But if you don't have it in your reel and you just have uh, shots of yourself as a doctor, as a, you know, police officer, their mind may go to, okay, you were just a, uh, you were just an extra on this. Okay. I, I don't care. So sometimes that's what they go. I think it's about taking control. I think it's about taking control of your career. And I think it's about taking control of your destiny in a more global sense. And if I could segue for a, use that to segue in for a second, I'll explain why into my animal rescue group that you mentioned earlier. And that was, and the reason that I founded my organization was because I had a great love of animal. I, I, and I do in present tense. And I wanted to do something that had not, I wanted to address a need that I did not see met. And just very briefly at our mission statement is that what we do is we're a fundraising organization and we donate 100% of all monies received to help groups across the country that are very small and all volunteer run. And when I founded this 12 years ago, 
no one was doing this. And everybody was giving to the big groups and you still see them advertised on television and they're very powerful and a lot of celebrities are in them and, and what have you. But if you really do the research, you, you, you will find that your hard earned money is not going to what you intended it to. It, you know, CEO salaries and overhead and these pens and co coffee mugs and whatever that you get for donating and like, who's paying for that? So the groups that we help are the people that are really out there doing the work, doing the rescue, not getting anything for it, not, they're either taking them in and fostering them or finding fosters, what have you. It's, again, it's taking control of what you believe in, whether you're an actor, whether you're a fundraiser, what have you. And of course, that's extremely gratifying work as well. If you have, as you and I do, and hopefully many others do, as we know as well, a tremendous love for animals. I wish we could save them all. Um, I realistically know that I can't. I can do only what I can do with, with my charity, but we're grateful for all the support mm -hmm. that we get. And once people understand I don't make any money. I don't make a dime off doing it. It's, it's, I wanted to ensure because then I'm doing the same thing. See, when I set this up, if I'm taking a salary, then yeah. I'm doing the exact same thing that I'm trying not to do. Right. So I, and I understand it's hard when you're, you know, God, if you're, you know, if you're a big group, then yeah, who's going to pay the bills for an office and things that you need? I get that. But I want the animals to benefit, not people from this. Um, and so, you know, I'll, I'll just put it out there to people, you know, of course, you know, spay and neuter your pets and even, you know, make sure that they're chipped, you know, you know how many calls we get a day of people that have lost their pets in the neighborhood. And the first thing we ask is, are, are, you know, do they have a collar? Are they chipped? No. Who's going to find, what if they find them? How are they going to know to contact you? It's amazing to me. Be respond. Be a responsible pet owner. That that's a that's a life, a living thing that you have, and do the best for them, so that they not only can have great lives and that you will provide to them, and all the great things that you'll get in return from them, all the love and devotion, but then just in case. Should something happen? You know, we try and help, but if people don't provide the tools to do that, unfortunately, it doesn't always end well. So I just want to put out my little sermon about that, that, you know, people that have pets, please take responsibility to curb the pet pop overpopulation. It's, it's, this is what causes all the problems of all the animals. Don't have homes. We're gonna we're gonna put this right below the video, so please go check it out. Contribute. Oh, if, great! If you can absolutely do that. Thank you, yeah. thank you. Check us out. Yeah. We're on Facebook. Yeah. We're on Facebook. We have our, you know, what we do. What I do on our website is I list all of the organizations that have received grants from us because I think it's important for people to know where the money goes. Isn't that that's the first thing anybody would ask? You know, if you're asking people for money, especially now, but anytime, yeah. where's the money going? And I want to be as transparent as possible. 
So there's a tab on our website that it lists where the groups are and what state they're in. So you can see we've covered the entire country yeah. several times. Yeah. And, um, you know, we ask for, you know, some of the success stories so that we can share them with our, I think it's important. I really think it's important. I don't think it's important to spend, you know, until we don't, you know, we don't, we send thank yous by, you know, email, mm -hmm. you know, sending, sending, you know, I get things from groups that have, and I, and, and I tell them when they receive the money, please don't send me things in the mail. Right. Please send me uh, like digitally. Yeah. Don't, don't waste your money on postage. Don't waste the money on that. If you know you want to share the stories with us and we appreciate it so that we can share them with our donors, this is where your donation went to, to help this dog or this cat or whatever that had either special circumstances or what have you. I think it's really important to be as transparent as possible with people mm -hmm. and graciously give their money. So um, rescues are the only way to go, please people. Yeah, they. I was going to say to Alan when you told me that story. I was going to tell you something that I'm sure you've heard many times. They rescue us, so yeah. Anybody who's had a rescue will know that, and they're yeah. they're just the best. The the first uh, when we we rescued our buddy, uh, which was six years ago or something to that effect. Um, my uh, my wife got a gift from one of her friends, and the gift is a cup that says "Who rescued whom." Right. And uh, they absolutely rescue us. Oh, my God. I, right. The amount of love and uh, affection that, that you're getting from, uh, from the uh, pets in your life. It, it just, you learn so much about what you are as a person. Uh, it's not just about responsibility of having to take care of somebody, but, you know, it's, it's just how, how they can know. you like uh, the, the love that you're getting from the animal that's uh, that's in your life it's it's a it's a it's a being it's it's genuine being. it's genuine it's honest they they know mm -hmm. they're so grateful they know that they were rescued mm -hmm. and you know interestingly enough bringing it back to acting mm -hmm. when i went on a, the audition i just told you about where they were all immersed in whatever what we were doing before we actually I went and did, you know, did it. We were talking a little bit because they were setting up and they said, what, what else do you do? Mm -hmm. and, and people should remember that. Actors should remember that because you may be asked that mm -hmm. because it's, there's just not the assumption that you're working every single day. So what else are you doing with your life, you know, your time? So you should have something ready to say. And so, of course, I always talk about my foundation. Mm -hmm. And so instantly the directors said, we just got a dog. And, and he was telling me about it. And he says, you know, they're, they're really asking for so much right now. And I said, not what do you mean? Yeah. And he said, yes. He says, I paid $800. And I said, that's outrageous from a rescue. And I said, there are some that are reputable and some are not. You've really got to check it out. When we give grants, we vet them, no pun intended. We vet them thoroughly to make sure they're all 501c3s. I, we just won't give it to somebody who's doing nice things out of their garage. I want, I need accountability from mm -hmm. an organization that receives grants from us. Mm -hmm. So when I was telling them, I said, $800, I said, that's what pet stores would do. And I said, they can't do that anymore. I said, I, don't, I didn't ask them. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to disparage any group, but I said, $800 is that there should be, if they spayed and neutered it, maybe. If there was a license, I don't know. If they chipped it, 
maybe, or just if nothing else, an adoption fee, but $800, that, I said, that's outrageous. And that was wrong. I said, no, rescue groups are not doing that generally. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah. I, I, I wasn't there for that. I wasn't there to get into all that. But what I'm saying is we really had kind of a dialogue mm -hmm. about that. I'm not saying that that gave me any kind of an in. Maybe subconsciously it did. I don't know. I'm hoping that my performance was, was good enough. But hey, can't hurt if, you, if you're simpatico yeah. with someone. You know, many times, as you know, Alan, you're not going to have a conversation mm -hmm. with the casting director or whoever. They're not there to chat. Yep. They just asked me. And they just, sometimes you can say that and to anybody and they'll be like, oh, okay, well, that's nice or whatever. They don't care. Right. They don't like animals. That's, that's crazy to think that yeah. somebody could not like animals, but we know there are people that don't like animals as insane as that may sound. Mm -hmm. But here was an opportunity where I was actually creating a little rapport mm -hmm. with someone who might hire me because of a, a mutual interest in something that we both had and something that I was doing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, something that I, like I said, I would recommend is have something in the back of your mind uh, or very close in your mind to answer because, you know, I mean, if you're working, if you're a, a server or whatever, that's fine, but you should have an interesting story or whatever to say because if they're asking, they're asking for a reason. And they just maybe want to learn a little more about you and see the person behind the script. And I'm happy yeah. to, to talk about that or, or really anything or my prior careers or things that I had done or, you know, they're not always going to ask you about what's on your resume. So let's talk about those two because I, I've been wanting to ask you about uh, working with Lady Gaga and mm -hmm. uh, what you did prior and what kind of boardroom meetings you were at and for what reason. So let's start with, uh, with Gaga. Um, okay, so I, it was a music video. It was, it was the song G-U-Y, which stood for Guy Under, Girl Under You. It was not a hit. Okay. It was from the Art Pop album, which was not successful. And the song was not, did not chart well and the video didn't either. It, part of the video was shot at the, um, Getty oh. house. Okay. No, 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 no. It wasn't that. It was the Hearst Castle. It was the Hearst Castle. You ever been to the Hearst Castle, Alan? Nope. You should go. Next time you travel out here, go to the Hearst Castle. It's amazing. Um, good. It's amazing. It's a real castle with a great history. Anyway, they shot it there because they had a, a, a Grecian pool there okay. with the columns and all that. I wasn't part of that. We shot downtown at a studio. Okay. And so we show up and the first thing they do when you checked in is they taped over your phone, the camera. Okay, I understand that. You're not, you're not that supposed to be doing that anyway. One would hope that you're a professional and that you're not filming when you're not supposed to be. But I understand that. It was a, it was a good sized call. I wasn't the only one in this. Mm -hmm. So um, we're, we're, you know, we're working, however, I think she came in it later in the day. We didn't see her right away. Um, as it turned out, and I shouldn't have to say this, but I will. 
they took away our phones mm -hmm. because one of the actors had uh, as a prop that it was his, they were using it, his uh, iPad or whatever, he was filming her while we were working. Wow. One of the dumbest things you could do. So he was kicked out. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Who knows if he'll be blackballed. It's, it's a small, it seems like a huge industry, but it's small. And that's the dumbest thing you could do, especially when you're told not to do it. Mm -hmm. So we had to put our phones in our cars, yeah. which is, you know, nobody was using their phone while we were shooting, but people need their phones sometimes to check in with their families. It was a long day. Yeah. Music videos. Have you ever done a music video? No, I wanted to. It just it never kind of uh, the timing didn't work out. They're long days because they do everything except for this. This had a different scenes, but I mean, they're long days. This was a 14 hour day. We were there. Ooh. And so, yeah. So finally, we're there. There was choreography involved and there was whatever. So then finally she shows up. And she's in this costume and she had her whole entourage around her. But I will say this about her, even though I did not interact with her one-on-one, -on -one, I will say she knew what she wanted. She had a vision for this and the um, choreographer had one vision. The director had another. And when we were shooting it, it wasn't making sense. And she came to look at it on the monitor and she was not happy. Mm -hmm. And she gathered all of us together and she said, this is what I want you to do. Finally, everybody knew what they were supposed to do because the choreographer was coming over this way and saying, cross over here and do this, whatever. And then the director was coming over this way and saying, sit here, do. And so the actors were looking at each other. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And it, that's how it looked. So I really respected her a lot for that, that she, took control, she knew what she wanted, we did it, voila, nice. it was there. This wasn't somebody with an ego trip saying, you know, I wanna take over. She was giving the power to the people that she had hired to do this video for her, but they were kind of all over the place. So um, I, I, I thought she was very bright and, she wasn't a diva. I didn't think she was at all. I'm not saying she is. I'm just saying that I'm thinking people that are listening to this might have perceived someone like that as being very powerful, which she is, and being very, you know, not at all. Not at all. She spoke to us like a person. Good. She was just a, a, a lady in the room mm -hmm. and who had a job to do. And we were all, you know, nobody's you know, nobody's starstruck. I mean, you know, at that point, if you worked with anybody, you realize that, you know, these are people doing a job just like you are. And I've worked with several named people and, you know, you're just, they're all really actors. So it was an interesting experience. And, um, you know, I signed an NDA. I, we were told at the, remember I said at the audition, I did the boardroom thing. All it said was, and you, I've seen these since. I've seen the breakdowns. There's major recording artists. They never say who it is. And the audition, they didn't say who it is. Yeah. Then I got the email that I got the job. Yeah. And they attached the NDA. So I was looking at it. I was reading, who is it? Who is it? And I went, hmm, 
Lady Gaga. I went, not bad. So um, the precursor to this was um, I had several jobs in in my lifetime, but the two long-standing ones were one I was uh, worked at a publishing company, and it was a very, very famous men's magazine, and it wasn't Playboy, and it wasn't Hustler. Right. I have people always say, oh, then it's Hustler. No, it wasn't Hustler. There are other, so, there are other men's magazines that are not, uh, you know, porn-related. No, this was a, I wouldn't say this was porn, but this was the number one competitor to Playboy. I it was Penthouse. It was Penthouse. Mm -hmm. And I was very, very young. I was right out of college. Mm -hmm. And I got a job as an editor. And um, I worked there for many years. And I learned a lot. And what I really learned about was the business world. It was an education that you can't buy. Mm -hmm. It was. I got an opportunity as a kid out of college mm -hmm. to learn about all the machinations of the business world and all of the games. And I equated it when, when I wasn't working there at the time, I was working at another job at the time, but when the show Survivor first came on, I said, that's what I do. That's where I am. It's Survivor. People are jockeying for positions and they want to vote you off the island. And that happened a lot. Never happened to me. Yeah. People tried both places. People tried to vote me off the island but I stayed. And so I learned a lot about personalities and working with different personalities, which I think helped me what I'm doing now. I think if you understand people, my back, my education's in psychology. And I think that that coupled with my experience has helped me to understand to a certain extent people. And we're working in a profession. It's all about that. People profession. Yeah. So I worked at that job for many, many years, and then I worked at a college, which I really didn't have a background in. Again, I fell into it. I just fell into a position that I was able to mold into my own. I was given a great opportunity where I, I was treated totally hands off, yes. whatever supervisor or whatever person above me there was because they went through many I was still there but everybody above me kept going right. didn't tell me what to do didn't tell me what I should be doing it was and that's a I, I can't tell you what a great opportunity that, that is because if you are creative and if you are um, what's the word I'm thinking of where you're um, a, a self-starter and you're motivated you can mold, you can, I got a blank uh, palette. Yeah. And I just took all the colors and, and created it how I saw fit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was working as a college and I, I ascended to the Dean of Students. I didn't start that, mm -hmm. but I ascended to that. And I loved it. And I loved all the students that I got to meet and befriend and several of them who I'm very close friends with now. Um, all perks of that. And I'll tell you, Alan, one of the things, one of the true benefits that I uh, obtained from that was public speaking. I had to represent the president on different occasions. 
whether introducing him at events. Um, I wasn't hired to do this. I mean, I was not hired because I had an extensive resume in speaking and, and executive leadership and all that. Again, just an opportunity that they took a chance on me and let me fly. Um, when I would speak in front of, you know, 500 people and the students would always ask me, you know, you're, you're so good at it and whatever. And I said, what do you think I was born with these skills? I said, you, I learned this and I'm constantly learning it. I said, like any skill, you have to develop it. And I said, the best way to do that is do it. Get in front of your peers. It could be five people. It could be two people, but do it. Get used to and get comfortable with speaking in front of people. Like I said, I had no real experience doing this. Now, I'm, I'm completely comfortable. If you said, go out there and talk to 500 people about my charity, I can do it. Um, and I, again, I don't have a technique or anything. I know that like Toastmasters is a great place to learn this and there are other people that coach and teach and all that. And that's wonderful. Um, I'm just kind of like anything, I'm kind of self-taught. But that opportunity gave me the skills to feel comfortable in front of a camera, even though I was not filmed. Sometimes they would, sometimes they would video things. And sometimes, so I, I was being filmed too. But um, all I can say to you, and anybody listening, is that if you're given an opportunity, even if you fear it, take it. Yeah. You might fall on your face. You probably will not be great the first time. You won't be great the fifth time. But the more you do it, the better you will get, just like acting. I don't think that when I first started, I was, I look at some of my work <laughs> early on and, and it was, you know, I've been doing this for nine years and I could have probably done that a little differently and probably been a little more comfortable, I, I think. But hopefully, as you're doing more, you're getting better yeah. at it. And I think for me, it's just getting to be more comfortable yeah. with who well, I am. And if I'm comfortable with who I am, then I can hopefully be comfortable playing other people who might be a part of who I am. And as we've already discussed, maybe somebody that isn't anything like us. But I'm grateful for those years. I'm grateful for what they taught. And um, both instances, I was laid off. And the reason that I say it is because it goes back to what we talked about 10 minutes ago about for the right reason. It's yep. meant to be. It's just, that's how it's supposed to be for me. At the time you think, see, when you're laid off as opposed to fired, it's different because you weren't told to leave because of anything you may have done or not done. I was part of a massive layoff. Well, the second time, actually, the college closed. So everybody was gone. So, I mean, it was certainly not personal. Yeah. And the first time it wasn't personal either because I went with a lot of people too. Mm -hmm. And so I may have been a different mindset then, but now looking back on it, of course I realized it was the best thing for me because I wouldn't have gotten the job I got. And when that closed, when this last one closed, if it didn't have not closed, I wouldn't be speaking to you right now. Right. That's true. And let's talk about one of, uh, one of your other jobs, which again, uh, reminded me uh, directly of uh, Bull because that's, that's oh yes 
that's that's a show that I truly enjoy. You're a part-time jury consultant. Uh, tell me how you did that. Again, your background in psychology certainly makes sense, but uh, how did you end up there? Fell into it. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, right place, right time. It's not just with acting. Yeah. It's anything. I responded to an advertisement that was looking for, for people to come in and do what they call mock juries. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let me just explain it very briefly for anybody who is not. Yeah. What more and more law offices are doing that are trial lawyers are bringing the public in, not an entire jury, but maybe six people, mm -hmm. and they're presenting an abbreviated case and they want your honest, they want you to deliberate. Now you're not, you're, they have another attorney that's there playing the other side. They don't actually bring in because they can't, they of course wouldn't do that. Right. Sometimes they bring in the actual witness, sometimes they don't. Sometimes you watch a deposition, which is a filmed testimony mm -hmm. of, of either the, the person suing or a witness, what have you. And so it's usually a day Sometimes it's two days, sometimes it's a half a day. And they ask you to deliberate and they ask you to render your verdict. And that way, it's market research. That's exactly what this is. That they're finding out what people may be, where it may be going. Do they have a good case at all? Right. Would they award more money than they're asking? Would they award nothing? Yeah. Um, and so, they called me back and they asked me to do it again and then again and again and again and then the um one of the partners asked to speak with him and he says you have a good sense of people would you like to actually come to the trial and work with me on he didn't say jury consult, but he just said, yeah. would you like to work with me on selecting the jury? And I said, I'd love to do it. Yeah. And so it doesn't happen as often as I would like it to. And of course, <laughs> nothing's happened at all this year because there's, there's been no trials. But um, they did actually ask me to review a case um, digitally, which I thought was really interesting. I watched a deposition and I thought that was really great because I made notes and I just made my, my evaluation. Yeah. And they, they said, that's exactly what we were thinking, but we wanted to know what other person might think as well. And they dropped it because I yeah. won't get into why. But um, they have um, taken on cases that you necessarily would not have heard but very big cases, they want a very, very big judgment against the city of Los Angeles. Wow. Apparently it was one of the biggest verdicts against the city, which of course is now on appeal. But um, we have, you know, I've worked with them on cases, you know, and they brought the jury in and I, I work with them on, I work with the people that they bring in right. on um, kind of the form person for lack of a better word, that I, I run the panel after they presented their cases. And um, sometimes I meet with him afterwards to do a little, you know, uh, after show kind of thing um, to discuss 
that I thought maybe a juror wasn't paying attention or this juror was, you know, really a good one that this one, I, I think you should really listen to them, what they had to say. Now they started filming it before yeah. they didn't. So they were going by notes and things like that. And I think they realized by actually seeing and hearing what these people were actually saying and the passion that they might be saying, you know, there were, there are cases that were really difficult. Yeah. To listen to a lot of them personal injury cases and where people were very, very hurt. Some died and these were the, the family members that were suing. Mm -hmm. um, some jurors get very emotional. Mm -hmm. um, some because there were some things that were very personal that were assault cases that triggered a nerve and you have to be very sensitive to this and they are they're they're just wonderful i have to say that these attorneys really care about their clients they're not ambulance chasers they're not you know they really care and they were great to work with they helped me on on uh, a case that i i sued um the veterinarian who treated uh, my beloved cat who passed away. It'll be seven years. And um, I, I filed a case against him with the state and he was investigated and he was found guilty of 12 counts of negligence. And I sued him and I lost because of uh, the statute of limitations with pets is one year. You can only sue with the year, within a year. The, the state board took three years to resolve my case. So I didn't have anything to go on. If I would have sued in the first years, I would have had zero evidence. But I came to court with something from the state board, which is equivalent to the bar association for attorneys. This is the board that regulates attorney, uh, veterinarians. And they found him negligent. I mean, they got all the records and they found him negligent in my cat's death, which did not have to happen. My point of bringing all that up is because these attor this attorney worked with me and he coached me and he said, you know, present your case in front of me. And he wanted me to be prepared. So I felt I prepared it as best as I could. I don't think the judge really understood what I was talking about. Anyway, what, what could I do? I had my day in court and it wasn't meant to be for whatever reason, as I've already said. So I'm hoping when things start resuming again, yep. that I will, be, I will be called in and I will be able to work with them because I, I Alan, this was nothing yeah. that I ever thought of doing. You know, he said to me, he says, you know, why don't you go to law school? You know, it's like, you know, you think like a lawyer. Yeah. And I said, that ship has sailed for me. I'm not at that point really where I want to go back to school. And I don't see myself putting in the time that it takes to do that. I appreciate that because I know that they would help me. Right. Um, but I thought that was, I was very flattered That's by that. And um, I, I really, really enjoy it. I can't tell you how much I, as a side gig yeah, that I enjoy the opportunity to do something, you know, 
I'm not doing it, but when they're presenting, it's acting. You know, they're in front of a jury, they're putting on a show. Yeah. I don't say anything, they don't ask me because they've done it a long time. Yeah. So they don't need my input in that regard. What they do ask for input is, was I clear? Did you, you know, did it make sense? Yeah. Did it, you know, and that's what we write down. We write down, we take notes throughout and we take notes about, you know, uh, would you, if you had any questions, what would they be? And they say it's gold. I mean, that's what he says all the time. What this is, what this back give and take is gold. We, you're helping us so much pre-trial yeah. that things that we, you know, they, they do what they call discovery, yeah. which is they get a case and then they go do all the research that they can about it. But they don't cover everything. They don't know everything. They do the best that they can. But sometimes they have people by coincidence that they bring in in these mock trials that have backgrounds in, that might pertain to that case. Yeah. And they, they're like, they're, 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 that happened in, in a recent one that I did last year was regarding education. And someone was a teacher and they were like taking notes. They couldn't take notes fast enough because that person lived it. Yeah. And they told them, this is exactly, you may have researched what the facts yeah. are generally, but this is really what happens That's dealing great. with, you know, so. Well, you should definitely listen. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if you've uh, sent anything in to, uh, I think it's CBS that Bull is on, but you definitely need to submit something. Uh, oh. <laughs> it's, you're an Never actor. thought of it. You're an actor and you have some background in it now. So uh, it's, uh, why not? It could be a co-star, it could be a guest star. You never know what it's going to turn into. So, uh, and if anybody from, uh, from uh, Bull is watching this, hey, you know, it's, it's, uh, now you have somebody else that you can paint to. I got a suit. I got the suits. Got I, I'm, 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 I'm ready. I've got the suits. I know the lingo. I've been on auditions. Yeah. A couple of times it's happened where I was done. The, whether it was the casting director or the director, whoever was there said, are you really an attorney? And I said, I just think yeah. like one. Yeah. You know? So I, the reason I say that is because I know the speak, right. the attorney speak. Mm -hmm. So if I had to improv, I could because I've seen it enough times where, not from television per se, not there's anything wrong with that, I learned from that too, but being in the courtroom and seeing the stance of an attorney and the lingo, um, it doesn't hurt. But thank you for asking about that because again, it was not anything that I had a background in and it was not anything that I was ever, ever gave a thought to. And uh, it's been a real fun opportunity for me and met, met some nice people there too, through that. Uh, actors, because several of the people that they bring in are actors because they're looking at side gigs. So not everybody has been, but a few. So, you know, of course we schmooze and talk about, you know, and I've befriended them now and that's all it was, it's about, right? That's why we're here, Alan, it's networking. And so, um, uh, they're yeah, oftentimes loquacious and, and uh, give a lot back because they're, you know, they want people that are not going to be shy and quiet because they need people to mm. express their opinion. And it, this is very, very important. So um, 
Good. Well, listen, Good this, stuff. Has been, this has been a uh, delightful and fascinating conversation. Uh, by seeing how your life has progressed, how you went from one opportunity to another one, and you kept on saying that I was falling into it. Uh, it, it, uh, it helped me uh, discover more about you. And it's a val valuable lesson for all of us to just be open. And uh, I think that's Absolutely. the name of our show, uh, because every, every show has a name. Your name is going to be Stay Open. And that's, Great. that seems to be how everything has happened for you. Please continue staying open. Uh, thank you for helping the animals out there. I certainly appreciate that. I hope other people do as well. And uh, best of luck to you. It's, it's, uh, I'm going to be following and seeing what happens with your career on, uh, onwards. Thank you for the opportunity. And I really enjoyed spending time with you today. Yeah, likewise. And thanks for everybody, uh, uh, for, to everybody for tuning in, for spending the time with us. We appreciate it. We know you love acting as much as we do. Take care. Bye. <laughs>